Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 4 and Texas Rangers nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it took a while. We had to sit through a two-hour rain delay and a a weird 15-minute delay to start the game. Which, if they don't do that, you wonder what would happen if they would got through five innings. Would they have just called the game right there? Anyways, the Guardians end up with a 4 nothing win. We play all nine innings. Uh, yeah, the weather in Cleveland can be unpredictable. We were talking a lot during the day on Guardians Twitter about, like, why can't you move these games up? It's a Wednesday night game, which is a weird night game to have anyways. It's a getaway day for Texas. It was a beautiful afternoon. It was a beautiful morning all day in Cleveland. Uh, they literally waited to start this game. For I mean, the storms and the start of this game were timed up perfectly. I know. It would be such a hassle with... I mean, think about all the employees that have to get down to the stadium. You know, all the seasonal employees, the ushers, the ticket takers, the security, the people that work in sessions. Like, how could you coordinate all those people to show up to work four hours early to start this game at four, you know, four o'clock instead of seven o'clock? Um, it would be difficult. It would be difficult. But it was a shame that we wasted a beautiful day and a beautiful afternoon to go ahead and play that game in the rain. I mean, it got to the point in the bottom of the uh, in the top of the fifth inning when Bieber is trying to close out five innings. And which would make it an official game, and he's like hiding his pitching hand in his shirt. He looks like a, he looks like a QB in a November football game, hiding his hand to try to keep that throwing arm dry. And he's doing his best out there, but it wasn't really. I mean, eventually the rain just got too hard, and uh, we had a nice little storm, a nice little storm roll through, and then it it cleared up enough for Eli Morgan to go out there and finish things off. So it ain't pretty, but the Guardians pull themselves back to 526 and 26. They're in sole possession of second place in the American League Central. Four games back, I believe, of Minnesota. They're, I believe, a game back of the wildcard situation right now, which all three wildcard positions, remember, there are three wildcard positions this year. All three are held by the AL East. And you have to think that the East is going to cannibalize itself just a little bit. I mean, we're still playing a weighted schedule where you play your own division more than anybody else. So you have to think the AL East will beat up on itself a little bit. And one of those teams is probably going to fall back, uh, making room for a Cleveland or a White Sox or, uh, uh, you know, an Angels if they can get their act together uh, to make a run at one of those wildcard spots. I mean, the East is tough this year. It's very tough. Would making the seventh, you know, the seventh playoff team, the third wild card spot, would it do anything? Is that team have a realistic chance of making the World Series? Probably not. But I mean, we have seen wild card teams before make the World Series. We saw the Atlanta Braves, like under five hundred at the All Star break, go on to win the World Series. So. It's a long season, folks. A lot is going to change between now and September, so hang in there for this ride. All right, hang in there for the ride of this game because I've got some storylines in this game. And the big storyline has to be Cleveland's pitching. I mean, they were dominant last night. Did the weather help? Did the rain delay just take the momentum out of Texas? 
did the fact that it was a getaway day and it was crappy weather and they just probably wanted to be the heck out of Cleveland to not have to deal with the rain anymore. Did that have anything to do with it? I don't know. But Cleveland's pitching was sharp. Was sharp. Bieber leading things off uh, for the pitching staff. Unfortunately, he can't go deeper into the game. You know, he had the comments. Francona had the comments after this game. He wants to eat up innings. He knew that the bullpen went through a lot of work in the doubleheader. He, believe me, Bieber wanted to pitch a complete game if he could. Um, instead, he ends up going four and a third innings, gives up only three hits, no earned runs, no walks, six strikeouts on 54 pitches. He's only hard hit three times. And not only that, he passes 700 strikeouts for his career. And according to Mandy Bell's article, becomes the second youngest player, or not the youngest, uh, does it in the second fewest games of any pitcher in Major League Baseball history since 1901. Uh, trailing only you, Darvish. So he did it in 93 games. Darvish did it in 87. He's tied with Dwight Gooden and Tim Lincecum. He passes Sam McDowell for the fastest in franchise history to make it to 700 strikeouts. We've known since Bieber comes out, has come up, he has been a strikeout machine. Uh, pushing that, I mean, as much as Kluber and, you know, Clevenger and as much as we don't want to say his name right now, Trevor Bauer, as much as they pushed the strikeout into the forefront of Cleveland pitching, uh, really made it a, a goal of Cleveland starters to rack up those strikeouts. Oh, and Cookie too, Carrasco too, throw him in there. As much as they did it, Bieber really took it and ran with that. And obviously, being the second fewest games to reach 700 strikeouts has shown that he has been a dominant, dominant strikeout pitcher since breaking into the since breaking into Major League Baseball. So he joins elite company there. I mean, Darvish, Dwight Gooden, and Tim Lincecum, those are some nasty names. Those guys were strikeout machines. Lincecum, I know the career kind of fell apart after some ridiculous, Ridiculously good seasons. Dwight Gooden, obviously a legend. Uh, he was definitely one of those names as a kid of the 90s that you remembered as a dominant pitcher. And uh, Darvish is one of the best in baseball and has been since coming over here to the States. So, uh, yeah, he's in pretty elite company right there. Um, so Bieber gets to the 700 strikeout mark. He wished he could have kept going. Uh, looking at the uh, player breakdown for Bieber... Uh, it was the slider that was really working for him. He threw the slider 29 times on the day, only 17 four-seam fastballs. The velocity was not there on the fastball. The average velocity was down a half a mile per hour at 90.3. He maxed out at 91.5. So, yeah, was the rain hurting the velocity? Maybe, maybe, but the velocity was not there on the fastball. So he works the slider 29 times, gets Eight whiffs on 16 swings, a 50% whiff rate, add in five called strikes. It's a 45% CSW on that pitch, on that slider. It's a 39% CSW total on the day. Um, going over to the illustrator here, uh, the fastball was up, but he didn't throw it that many times. In fact, only one fastball he gets below the belt, and that's the one that freezes Jonah Heim. Uh, in that fifth inning, right before the rain delay, Heim was pissed. He felt like the call was just to get through five innings, that the ump made the call just to get them off the field before the rain really started coming down. 
Um, but that's the only fastball he gets below the knees. Everything else was at the top of the zone. So the fastball wasn't really there. The slider, he was very aggressive with, throwing it for strikes both to the glove side and the arm side. You know he can sweep that sw- slider across, and he does for a couple of strikeouts in this game. But uh, really throwing it to all four quadrants. Now, when we look at the results tab here, this is fascinating for Bieber. So all three hits he gives up, all three singles, two are four-seam fastballs, one is a slider. They're all up at the letters, uh, very hittable pitches. And those fastballs are not coming in hard, 90.6 and 89.9. The 89.9 one is kind of down the middle to Adolis Garcia. That's in the fifth inning to kick off the fifth inning there. Um So those are very hittable pitches. Those are up in the zone, easy things to hit singles off of. Uh, He's lucky they didn't go for more bigger hits. We know Texas can hit the home run. Uh, But then he gets the strikeout on the breaking stuff. He does freeze uh, Heim with that one fastball. He's got a couple of sliders riding down and away. Uh, Three strikeouts on the slider and then two knuckle curves. He actually freezes Heim with a knuckle curve up near the letters uh, and then gets a swinging strike on Corey Seager down below the zone with a knuckle curve. So that's what Bieber was doing. It was strikeout stuff from Bieber. It was the breaking balls. It was the curve and the slider working for him last night. Uh, I, You know, a few fastballs mixed in there to keep him off the slider, but really being aggressive with that slider, really trusting that pitch more and more and more. So uh, Bieber, unfortunately, can't go deeper into the game, but that sets things up for Cleveland's bullpen. And that sets things up uh, for Eli Morgan, De Los Santos, Shaw, and Classe to shut the door and finish the job for Bieber after the rain delay. And they flew through the end of this game. Eli Morgan was absolutely dominant and probably the top storyline in this game. Uh, you know, the Rangers were running all over us, and especially in that second game yesterday. They did not get the opportunity to do that last night. They didn't hit their home runs, and they didn't steal any bases. In fact, Lowe was caught stealing to end the second inning. So Hedges gets a little bit revenge, and he's able to nab a runner going to second. It's a great tag at second base, I believe, by Jimenez, who gets the runner as he's going past him. The throw was a little bit up towards first base, uh, and Jimenez puts a great tag down on him. So Hedges gets a little revenge, and then, man, him and Eli Morgan cook up One of the greatest pickoff moves of all time. You had runners on first and second and one out when the rain delay happened. Uh, You know, if Bieber gets that second out there, uh, if he's able to get those outs without giving up another hit, they probably let him finish that inning. But once he gives up the hit, it could have turned into something. So the umpires figure, well, this is the point we should probably call a rain delay. So Morgan has to come out with a runner on first and second. It's Garcia on second base. And Hedges, they said they cooked this up right before they came back out onto the field. Hedges is like, I think we can get this guy. I think we can catch him sleeping. So he's like, I'm going to give you a sign. And when you do, the pickoff is on. And Eli Morgan comes to the comes set. He gives him the sign. He whirls and fires a strike to Andres Jimenez, who obviously had to have been roped in on this play. I mean, he definitely knew what was going on, knew what the sign was going to be. It was a timing play. So as soon as Garcia reaches the end of his leadoff, and as soon as his eyes kind of look a little bit like he's not paying attention, boom, the play is on. And Hedges definitely has, if you watch the replay, there's definitely a sign there. He tips his glove, and that was the sign to Eli Morgan. 
Uh, you know, I hope nobody from Oakland is listening to this because that's who's coming in next. I don't want to give away Austin Hedges' signs, but uh, he tips his glove and uh, Elon Morgan twirls, fires, and they just nail Garcia at second base. That is cold-blooded to come out after a two-hour rain delay and not even throw a pitch to immediately pick a guy off. That is some cold-blooded stuff from Eli Morgan and Austin Hedges, and I love it. I love the creativity of it. Um, you know, I don't know. Was Francona roped in on it? Did Francona did they hey, did they run it by him, or did they just do it on their own? You know, I wonder if they had that freedom to just do it on their own. Uh, that's what it kind of sounded like uh, from you know the post-game comments. So uh, yeah, Eli Morgan does that, and then strikes out the next hitter, and then goes on to have another dominant inning. He gives up in an inning and two-thirds, uh, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts on 13 pitches, only gives up one hard-hit ball. Uh, De Los Santos would come in next. He would pitch an inning. He would give up two hits, but he would get a strikeout and get out of it. Shaw with a clean eighth inning and a 4 nothing game. And then Classe finishes things off in the ninth. He would give up a hit, but then two ground balls and a strikeout gets him out of it on 11 pitches. So efficient stuff from the entire bullpen. I mean, 13 pitches for Morgan. And an inning and two-thirds, 13 pitches. And now it helps if you get an out without even throwing a pitch. De Los Santos, 14 pitches. Shot eight pitches to get out of that uh, eighth inning and 11 pitches for Classe. That's efficient stuff from Cleveland's bullpen to finish things off. And Eli Morgan has just been spectacular, by the way. Another thing we were discussing on Guardians Twitter last night, it's going to be really hard for a setup man, uh, you know, a middle reliever to make an all-star team. But Morgan really has been one of the best relief pitchers in baseball this year. Looking across the entire league, he's now um, 11th in war for relievers. And frankly, he's tied for 8th with Josh Hader, Jason Adam, Brock Burke from Texas, and Eli Morgan, and Kenley Jansen in Atlanta, and Dominguez in Philadelphia, all have 0.8 war uh, so far. Uh, Class A comes in at 15th at 0.7 on this list. So I was looking to see wow, what is Eli Morgan doing that puts him in this elite company. His ERA is good, but it I mean, some guys are ridiculous. Clay Holmes is at 0.34 ERA for the Yankees. Uh, Ryan Helsley for St. Louis is at 0.4. He's at 1.46, which is incredibly respectable. Um, so what is it? What is, what's the one stat that's really putting uh, Eli Morgan in elite company with all of these relievers? Turns out it's whip. Walks, hits per inning pitched. He has been the best reliever in all of baseball when it comes to whip. Looking, all this is over here on Fangraphs. He is at a 0.45 walks, hits per inning pitch. The best in baseball for relievers. Ryan Helsley is right behind him from St. Louis at 0.54. Uh, Henches actually comes in at ninth on this list at 0.69. And uh, Class A comes in at 20th on this list at 0.86. So no matter what stat you look at, he is Eli Morgan and Jose are both in like the top 20, top 30 in all of baseball relievers in most of these stats. Uh, so it's pretty good stuff. It's pretty elite stuff from Eli Morgan. Now, was I going to get him into an all-star game? That's pretty hard to make an all-star game if you're not a closer, right? But it's pretty elite stuff from Eli Morgan. And he is 
definitely been just the weapon out of the bullpen. Whenever you need him, he is there, and he can go more than an inning, which is, I mean, insane too because he's got a starter's build. He's got a starter's arm. He's got a resilient arm that can go more than an inning. So it's big stuff from Eli Morgan. And then the other storyline in this game is that the Guardians put together some really good rallies. Some really good. They rally for two runs in the second. They rally for two more runs in that third inning. And frankly, man, they were just hitting Dunning back up the middle. Naylor goes up the middle twice. Um, and I mean, Rosario shoots one through the middle. Everyone in the Guardians lineup, except for the seventh spot in the lineup, which is shared between Palacios, who kicked things off, and then Owen Miller, who pinch hit late for him, they go 0 for 4 collectively in the seventh spot. Everybody else in the lineup has a hit on the day. Um, so yeah, so using the middle of the field, that was very cool to see. And then that rally in the uh, in the second inning was a nice little rally. It starts off with a Josh Naylor single. Nice to get things going. Gonzalez moves him over with a chop to third. And then Andres Jimenez smashes a double into center field. And frankly, you don't get many doubles into center field off of the uh, Texas Rangers because they've got Eli White patrolling out there in center field. And you saw what he did to Jose Ramirez yesterday. This time, Andres Jimenez is able to burn him. It looked like he took a bad step. It looked like he had a bad route to the ball. If he breaks back hard, maybe he runs this down. But he took a kind of a bad route to the ball. And Jimenez is able to burn him for a double. For some reason, uh, Hamilton kept calling him Eli Morgan. He like doubled down on it in the call of the play. Uh, but it's Eli White out there in center field. So Jimenez adding another double uh, and an RBI in this one. Naylor comes around to score. After a Palacios fly out, Hedges is able to deliver. They got a lot of balls through the infield on Texas, too. They're in, uh, either they were just finding the holes or, um, or you know, Texas's infield just doesn't have that quick of reflexes. I mean, this ball from Hedges is hit at 101.9 miles per hour. It had a 630 expected batting average. So I guess he just shot one through, basically. That's what they're telling me here. 630 expected batting average. This was going to be a hit. So he delivers a big RBI there. I mean, we talk about it all the time. You get the leadoff guy on, you work to get him around to score. That's the goal of the inning, to put up a run on the board. Wipe off that zero and put up a run. If you can get that second run and make it a crooked number, well, that's just that's just a bonus. That's just, that's just good stuff right there. And Hedges is able to do it with two out RBI. He's able to shoot one through in the left field under the glove of uh, Seager at shortstop and uh, deliver a big RBI there because 2 nothing with Bieber pitching as good as he was. That's good stuff. And then they come right back in the third inning, and they don't let up on Dane Dunning. Straw with a single to kick things off. Ahmed Rosario shoots one through in a center field. I told you they were using the middle of the field a lot. And then Jose Ramirez this time gets a double. He decides not to hit it at a center fielder. He decides to pull the ball uh, to right field and hit it over Adolis Garcia's head. Um, what was the exit velocity on this one? Because he cracked it. 103.3 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, one hops the wall out there in right field. Unfortunately, they got a little greedy on the bases. And Ahmed Rosario, who usually can beat out any throw, gets thrown out of the plate. He was out by a good step or two. So clearly, it was just a bad decision to run. Um, I don't think Ahmed Rosario was taking it easy on the base paths because he never does. He always runs hard. So uh, he gets thrown out at home, but Ramirez delivers another RBI on the day. 
Naylor would then single and bring Ramirez in from uh, third base again. But this is all with no outs, by the way. This is all with nobody out. So this isn't a situation where you, okay, you got those runs in, and now everything else is just gravy. It's just bonus. Uh, no, I mean, with nobody out and a runner at third base, we let's go get that run. And uh, Naylor, again, takes an outside pitch. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez uh, hit a changeup. I believe Naylor's, uh, let's see what this pitch was, because it was outside. He had to go way off the plate to get this one. And uh, let's see what pitch he hit here. Uh, it was a changeup. It was a changeup as well uh, that he goes out and shoots up the middle. And it's a nice line drive. It's it's clearly a swing designed to go the opposite way, designed to stay back on the ball and use the middle of the field. Um, and it's a good swing by Naylor here. I thought Ramirez's uh, changeup that he hit was interesting, the one he hits for the double. Because, frankly, as soon as Dunning released the ball, something about it in my head just clicked. And I was like, he's got it. Like, Ramirez, that's his pitch. He's going to crash this ball. And he does. Like, it just seemed like it just from the release, I could just feel that he had, like, it was going to end up right in his sweet spot. And he was going to be able to barrel it up. And he delivers. So two change-ups from Dunning get hit very, uh, well, Naylor's wasn't hit very hard here, but get hit for base hits. Um, Oscar Gonzalez would then single, move Naylor up to second, but unfortunately, that's where the inning would end. Jimenez would chase an outside changeup, and then Palacios would ground out to end the threat. And that's, frankly, that's most of the offense. I mean, when we come back from the break, uh, the Guardians don't really have to do much on offense. Uh, Jimenez does hit another double in the sixth inning, um, but it doesn't turn into anything, so he's got two doubles on the day. For Andres Jimenez, that's great stuff. Uh, but then the offense doesn't really need much else. I mean, they can kind of cruise with a 4 nothing lead. Ramirez would have another single in the 7th. And then they go quietly in the 8th. And then uh, and they don't have to hit in the ninth inning. They close things out in the top of the ninth. So uh, it's pretty quiet offensively from the Guardians. But defensively, they were still very sharp. And the pitching was definitely locked in to finish this game. So the last thing I want to talk about is Andres Jimenez. Because it turns out... You know, we all want him to play shortstop, but this guy is one of the best second basemen in the American League right now. Now, you want to talk about an all-star game, we have got to get Andres Jimenez into the all-star game. It's going to be, he's not probably that well known around the American League. I don't know if in New York and Chicago and LA and, you know, wherever else they're voting for American League players, I don't know if they know Andres Jimenez's name that well. Right? Obviously, the New York crowd might know him a little bit because he was traded from New York to us, but, you know, those are the Mets fans over there. Uh, those are the people vote filling out their NL brackets and probably ignoring the AL side of the uh, voting for All-Star Game. Uh, but leading American League shortstops in war is Andres Jimenez. This is over on Fangraphs again. He's at 2.1 war. Altuve and Espinal from Toronto and Trevor Story are all trailing him at 1.8 and 1.7. So he has definitely got a leg up there as far as batting average goes. He is leading American League second baseman, hitting 310. Matt Duffy from LA is behind him at 303. When it comes to WRC plus, let's get into some of the advanced stats here. Weighted runs created plus, where league average is set to 100. He is just behind El Tuve and way ahead of the rest of the pack. Altuve's at 159, he's at 154, 
Espinal of Toronto is at 126. Uh, there's a few other stats that I was looking at here. Home runs, he's not leading, but he's up there with the top second baseman. He's got seven home runs. The leader for home runs would be Altuve with 11 and Torres at 10. So Jimenez comes in at fourth for home runs. Uh, as far as RBIs go, uh, Trevor Story is blowing away the rest of the field at 41 RBIs. So that's elite stuff uh, from Trevor Story there at second base. But again, Jimenez is up there at the top of the pack. Polanco is 31, and Jimenez comes in at third with 30. So yeah, he is up there at the top of the American League second baseman, leading in some important categories, leading in war, leading in batting average, second in WRC+. He is also second in OPS right on the heels of Altuve. Altuve is at 886 OPS. Jimenez is right behind him at 885 uh, Altuve doing a little better on the on-base percentage, probably because Jimenez does not walk, but he's still got a 340 on-base, and he's beating him in slugging at 545 compared to 530. So uh, he might have uh, the top slugging percentage of all second basemen in the American League. Yeah, he does. The top slugging percentage of all second basemen goes to Andres Jimenez. So those doubles last night definitely help. Uh, yeah, he has been elite as far as second basemen go, and we've got to let the world know. So the all-star game is an easy way to do that. I mean, honest to God, Jimenez and Jose Ramirez probably should be on the starting infield for the American League. They really should be. Jimenez should definitely be on the team. You can make an argument for Altuve. You could probably make an argument for Trevor Story with those RBIs, but not as good an argument. It's probably down to Altuve and Jimenez as to who the best second baseman is. It's going to be very hard to pass Altuve in the fan voting because everybody knows Altuve's name, uh, but Jimenez belongs up there. He probably belongs to be starting out there with Jose Ramirez. So go ahead, Guardians fans. See what you can do morning, people. See, I'm going to get on there. I, I usually vote at least once. I'm not one of these people that's going to vote five times every day until, you know, it's done. Sorry, I just don't have the time for that. But I will get on there and vote, you know, click through five times and do my vote once. Um, yeah, so uh, it's pretty awesome stuff from Andres Jimenez, who is blossoming into a really good player in front of our eyes. All right, MVP on the day. Uh, with a rain delay, it makes it so hard because Bieber was so good in his start and Eli Morgan was so good coming out after the rain delay and picking up right where Bieber sh left off that I've got to split MVP for the day. They both get it. We're going to split the trophy in half. Uh, Bieber and Eli Morgan combine for MVP on the day. They combine for a really strong start. You know, a six-inning qu really quality start uh, from those two guys. So, MVPs on the day go to the Cleveland pitchers, Bieber and Morgan together. And not frankly, you could give it to the entire pitching staff because they were that good on the day. All right. That is all my thoughts on this one. We have got Oakland coming up next. The weather looks like it's going to be clear till at least Sunday. So we should be playing some baseball here. Uh Caparillion goes against Pilkington tonight. Uh, and then we'll see who goes after that. Uh, we eventually get Montas, who's the you know the strong starter from the Athletics that everybody's keeping their eye on. We get him on Saturday afternoon. So again, we're at you know twenty six and twenty six. We're at five hundred. We're in second place. We're in the wild cards running. 
Oakland is another series here where we have a chance to probably put, you know, win three out of four here and, uh, you know, put ourselves up above 500, really help ourselves out in the standings. This is the end of that stretch because then comes our West Coast swing where we got to go against Colorado. We got to go against the Dodgers. Um, and then we get to go against Minnesota and go against the top of the division. So we'd probably, it'd be good. We've got, man, we've got eight games against Minnesota to finish out this month. And I know you're like, Davey, it is June 9th. Please do not fast forward to the end of the month. But if you look ahead on the schedule, we got three in Minnesota, uh, then a series at home against Boston before we get five games against Minnesota in four days including a doubleheader. It's going to be a tough stretch. It's going to be a lot of baseball, and it's sandwiched between Boston and New York at home. So what a homestand that is going to be. Um, finally, we get a Boston and New York series on a weekend when the crowds can really fill the ballpark. Um, you know, the weather should be spectacular. That's your kind of July 4th weekend against the Yankees at home. So that's going to be fun. On actual July 4th, we have a doubleheader against Detroit. Uh, but unfortunately, that's up in Detroit, so we'll all be able to enjoy the uh, TV and radio broadcasts while we have our 4th of July cookouts here in the States. I know some of you listen from all around the world, so July 4th doesn't mean anything to you. Um, so yeah, so we're going to get a lot of games against Minnesota. That is going to be, this is going to be a pivotal moment for the American League Central leading into the All-Star break. This big, big games against Minnesota, eight games against Minnesota at the end of this month. So looking forward to that, but looking forward to Oakland first, because again, we should be able to take three out of four from these guys here. Uh, that would be that would be a success. That would be a success. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. After a long delay, it's the Guardians for the Rangers nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.